Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We really are glad you joined us today. I'm coming to you from Warsaw, Poland, which we're going to talk about later in the show. I'm with my co-host, Bill Quinn. Welcome, Bill. Good afternoon. Actually, good, good evening, Todd. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite late. Not quite late. It's getting late here. So uh, we have a packed show, as always. First, we're going to really start off with a bang with Senator Colton Moore. Then we have Dr. Peter McCullough to talk about emerging medical threats. Chris Gleason just told me we're going to be in for quite a treat today, so I can't wait to see what he has to say. And then we're going to end with BKP, who with some sage, wise words from uh, Georgia's elder statesman. So with that, I want to ask you, our audience, to have a request. We are growing, and we have to support that growth. So uh, we're, kicked, we're kicked off all the major ad online advertising platforms. So we need, we're putting out a call to across Georgia for patriot businesses who are interested and, and are not scared and, 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 and really want to join the alternate economy as we grow this away from the uh, woke matrix, if you will, away from the censorship and away from the cancel culture and away from the tyranny. We need you to come to us and say, hey, we want to advertise with the Georgia record. Uh, Georgia record is getting massive publicity all over the country in the world, actually. I get people from, uh, I had someone from England this morning email me, say, love your show, watch it every week. So uh, if you want to advertise and get your word out that you're a business that's not scared of the, the woke left, then contact us, contact at creativedestructionmedia.com. The email's on the website, and we will talk to you about advertising. Also, sign up for all our social media, Twitter, Getter, Gab, Minds, Truth, Telegram, and our Rumble channel, CDM1, because we're putting out a lot of content. If you haven't looked at all the other shows CDM puts out, you really need to. And we're putting together planning and, and building and, and uh, costing out CapEx right now for a 24-7 streaming channel in the new year. So that is to come. So stay tuned for that. With that, uh, well, let me just talk one more thing about our sponsors that we have currently. We had on Marjorie Wildcraft last week, and she was fantastic. We got a lot of really good comments on her commentary about how to be self-reliant growing food. So go to cdmfood.com and check out what she has. There's a lot of free videos and get started with her and, and learn about how to be self-reliant. Even if you're older, even if you are out of shape, even if you don't have a lot of space, even if, it's, if you just have an apartment with a balcony, you can grow your own food and become more and more self-reliant. She will teach you how to do it. So cdmfood.com and check out what she has to offer there. Bill, why don't you bring in our first guest? Okay. Senator Colton Moore, thank you for making time for us today, sir. Absolutely, Bill. Todd, great to be here. Happy Sunday. Thank you. Happy Sunday. It has been quite an interesting week. Um, the uh, at, at the court's order, uh, uh, Brian Camp ordered a, uh, a special session to begin this past Wednesday. And uh, it's ironic in that uh, it's been something that you and a very few others like Charlie Spurred and so forth have uh, asked for and recommended. So um, first, let, let me get your thoughts and then maybe we'll get a chance to actually see what transpired a bit that morning. Yeah, it is a happy Sunday, but uh, it's been a very disgruntling week, um, Bill. I mean, it's, it's, it's you, you call for a special session for three months and, um, you know, no one in Senate leadership agrees. Uh, the governor doesn't agree. Uh, but then a, you know, Obama appointed judge says, hey, we've got racist maps. You got to fix these. And 
you know, a lot of this is being challenged in appeals courts and, uh, you know, Georgia could be making an appeal itself. But instead, we rush into special session and the governor's proclamation. He puts essentially guardrails on what can be talked about. So we're essentially gag ordered, if you will. We can only talk about um, anything that the governor wants us to talk about, nothing else. And uh, he set that up to strictly talk about the maps and uh, talk about some uh, some gas taxes. You know, he's renewed or uh, stop the gas tax now on nine different occasions. Um, you know, later this week, I hope to just permanently eliminate the gas tax um, because that's going to be coming up for us as a Senate. Uh, and it already went through the House to recognize, uh, you know, that it's OK for him to do that. Well, if we're going to have, you know, an $11 billion surplus and a $6 billion surplus and we can't do anything to lower income tax, but yet this governor loves to put out a nice press release and saying, that he's extended the gas tax exemption. Well, let's just get rid of motor fuel taxes once and for all. Um, you know, that would solve the debate against gas cars and, and electric cars as well. But, you know, that's all a separate argument because really the real threat to our state is Fonnie Willis. And, you know, I've come onto your show a couple different times and talked about that over the last few months. Fonnie Willis is still prosecuting Trump and 18 others in our state, including a, another senator, fellow senator of mine, you know, we could be defunding her. We could be investigating her in this case, uh, at, you know, answering all those questions that we talked about on your show before. Um, but we're not. You know, we could be um, passing a um, an adjustment to RICO and essentially eliminate these charges uh, retroactively, similar to, uh, you know, the way the marijuana law was in Georgia. You know, we used to treat marijuana like it was methamphetamine. And then we said, well, if you've got 12 different medical conditions, you can legally have it. So the people who showed up in court and were able to prove that they had one of those medical conditions, well, their charges were dropped. Or we could create a similar piece of legislation as it relates to RICO. You know, some argue that even if we just added a monetary component to RICO, uh, that that would essentially drop the charges for Trump and these 19 others. Yep. Well, one of the things that uh, they did allow under, uh, I believe it's called a point of personal privilege, is it, where right. you can make a statement, albeit it has, it doesn't have uh, binding uh, actions on the on the Senate while you're there. But I thought it might help people under understand the way the day started off and uh, listen to a couple of points you made as as they began the session. If if you're okay with that, sure, yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right. Mr. President, thank you. I tell you what, for the last three months, I've been calling for a special session. The people in Northwest Georgia, they're going to be mighty excited today because we were in a special session. Mr. President, I called for a special session with such intensity that I was booted out of the majority caucus, now a free and independent agent sitting in the back. Mr. President, it's very disgruntling to me that I call for a special session for three months and that we come to this special session and the proclamation that the governor has given us does nothing to address the concerns that millions of Georgians have in our current state of affairs. You see, Mr. President, people in Northwest Georgia, they don't like thieves. And in 2020, people in my district believe the election was stolen. They're upset that the governor took 19 days to certify the election results. And if it takes that long, then how can you protest when other people agree that maybe the election was stolen? Mr. President, 
It's one thing to have a difference of opinion of whether an election was stolen or not, but we're in a much darker side of politics now in our state. Because now if you disagree with the political ruling class, you can be held political prisoner. And right now we have a former president and 18 others, even a member of this body, who are facing the rest of their life in prison for questioning an election. Mr. President, we have God-given rights, given to us by God. It's protected by the First Amendment. But Mr. President, the biggest constitutional crisis that our country has ever seen, as the entire world watches our state, we find ourselves in special session and nothing can be done by order of the governor to address these concerns. I was refreshed to hear your pastor, Mr. President, talk about a breath of fresh air. Because I think this Senate, I think the Georgia legislature has become stagnant. You know, there's no moderation when we rubber stamp things. Mr. President, I pray for this Senate. I pray for this legislature because we are in a dark time in our society and in our state. Mr. President, if there is injustice in a map, while there's been a primal call for a special session of a Democrat appointed judge can say special session and by George, we got one. But Mr. President, if our maps are racist, then let's bring justice to our maps. But let's also bring justice to a stolen election. Let's also bring justice to the 19 individuals who are facing the rest of their life in prison. And I yield back, Mr. President. Thank you. I, I got uh, a number of notes and saw a number of communications after that uh, speech on uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, I, I think uh, it, it really hit home with a lot of people. I mean, it was honest, authentic. It was telling the story of what's, what's gone on and what hasn't gone on. Um, what, did, what did you hear from, from folks following that? Uh, for my fellow colleagues, um, you know, I got a couple winks and a couple nods uh, walking back to my seat. Uh, the uh, the lieutenant governor, Burt Jones, uh, he told me that he thought I did a great job uh, with that speech. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we left it. Um, you know, I was on Steve Bannon's show, I think the next day, uh, talking about, you know, the, uh, the change to RICO, the Stop Political Persecutions Act, which I plan to introduce in January. Um, you know, working with several different attorneys on that piece of legislation. Uh, that was kind of the first time that that many in Senate leadership in the caucus had heard about that piece of legislation. Um, I've had a couple conversations with the lieutenant governor about it uh, over the last few months. But, you know, hopefully, uh, whether it's the monetary component uh, change to RICO or whether it's just, you know, outright listing the charges that these 19 have been charged with and saying that you cannot charge under those charges with RICO, which would also do the same thing. Um, it, it may potentially weaken RICO to an extent. But, you know, after these charges are dropped by Fani, then let the legislature re-debate and decide how to put those back in place. But I mean, it was never the legislative intent when RICO was passed for it to be a means of taking political prisoner. It was, it was a means to go after mafias and, uh, you know, drug dealers and organized crime, uh, not to, to take on your political enemies. So, that's right. you know, that's my focus at this point. That's right. The, uh, some folks may not yet have understood that, uh, there were, there was a, uh, 
a set of um, folks, both both from the House and um, and from the Senate. I think uh, even John Burns mentioned it that there was a potential of using this new committee, the Prosecuting Attorneys Qualification Committee, to solve this or at least begin to investigate it. And a number of folks cautioned, well, wait a minute, they have to get rules approved before they can do anything. And sure enough, about a week and a half ago, the uh, Georgia Supreme Court said, you know, we're not going to really even look at these law or look at these rules right now. And essentially, you know, puts the committee in stasis so nothing can be done. Um, yeah. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, I think there were 15 different Republican senators that signed on to a letter that said that this was the way forward. Uh, remember the October 1st, everything's going to be okay. October 1st, <laughs> um, you know, and then October 1st comes around and the commission is barely met. It's barely established rules. And then finally, they submit those rules to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says we have grave concerns about making a decision on this because we don't see in the Constitution where we're supposed to approve rules of a commission. That's not the role of the Supreme Court. Um, so because of that, I mean, it will never happen. The Supreme Court, unless we get new Supreme Court justices, uh, you can pretty well count on this prosecutorial commission not going forward. And how many how many senators, um, you know, told their constituents that this was foolproof, that this was going to work. There was no need to call a special session. Um, you know, it, it's so funny. They have I haven't heard one peep, one whisper uh, from any of my Senate colleagues who were promising that prosecutorial commission. And uh, it's going to be up to us to hold them accountable, whether it's now or whether it's during election time, uh, depending on what they do with, uh, you know, this piece of legislation, Stop Political Persecutions Act. Yep. It is funny. You call out the, uh, you know, the silence now in the face of, oops, I guess I made, you know, if I'm one of these people who thought the committee could handle it, now I look like a, like a fool. And they're silent about it. Unfortunately, in many cases, they were also silent when you called for the special session to begin with. That to me is, is almost more telling, you know, that it would cost somebody nothing to say, I think we got some headwind in getting this done. I think we got some obstacles. But I support it, you know, in the silence, the deafening silence from the vast majority of, uh, of folks in the General Assembly to me is um, worrisome at best. You mentioned being a, in a dark time, sort of, I, that, that seemed to strike pay dirt for me when you, when you made that comment. Because it really is, it seems non-understandable that people would be silent about this stuff. It's such an affront to American ideals. Sure. I mean, and these senators, they all swore an oath to the Constitution to protect it. Um, you know, and then us as Republicans, like you go to the Republican National Committee website, you know, and what does it say on the front page? It says Republicans protect constitutional rights. You know, these these individuals swore an oath to that Constitution. They claim to be Republicans. And, and how can they not see right in front of their eyes these constitutional rights being violated by these individuals? Um, you know, it was so funny watching these Democrats debate the maps and they keep bringing up the First Amendment, um, you know, where they uh, they we were talking about the uh, Department of Public Safety Training Center in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And some Democrats put up an amendment that said nothing in this should be construed to take away from our First Amendment. And we spent maybe 30 minutes talking about the First Amendment. And it's like, how can they not see this fundamental right being taken away from them? Uh, by by their own party going after their political enemies and then Republicans not taking a stand for the principles that are, are so, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. Senator, let me ask you, I mean, courage is a is contagious and it's it's, you know, something that's really important. And I, I think our audience sees the courage you've had to stand up 
and I think you had a obviously a political future because of that, and you've shown some leadership. Have you thought about um, how, are, first of all, are you getting other people to support you in that effort? Are people seeing that leadership and saying, look, th this is really important, we want to help, or, or not? Yeah, I mean, talking about the uh, Stop Political Persecutions Act, you know, mm -hmm. I've pitched that to a couple other uh, of my colleagues in the Senate. And, uh, you know, kind of the first words out of their mouth are, well, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, that's something we could probably do. But if you put your name at the top of it, I don't see how it's ever going to pass. You know, <laughs> one of us are going to have to put our names at the top of the bill. And I said, well, that's fine. Let's just get the bill moving. Mm -hmm. um, but that's their response. You know, I mean, courage is contagious, but, but so is cowardice. You know, True. and when those people at the top are being cowardly uh, to um, to this this bit of leadership that's more scary than they are, I guess, um, th th then that's where these people hold back. I mean, how many of these senators ultimately look to the president pro tem and they look to the majority leader and they won't move unless they move? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, our president pro tem, uh, John Kennedy, you know, he says there's absolutely nothing that we can do. We have to wait for this case to be adjudicated. And no, that's that's not the uh, function of the Senate. You know, I, like I've told him before, you have to take your litigator cap off and put on your senator cap and recognize you are the check and balance to a rogue district attorney. I mean, that's how our Constitution, that's how our structure of government is mm -hmm. set up. You also have got some other Republican senators who think that, you know, Trump and these 19 others have done something wrong. You know, they they call themselves Republicans, but. They say, well, there's smoke, there must be fire, and, and they trust the judicial system. And, and that's why something like the Stop Political Persecutions Act, you know, we only need 29 votes. There's 33 people that call themselves Republicans. So as long as those people who think that maybe, you know, that, that these people are guilty, they should be charged or what have you, we don't need their votes as long as we can get 29. And then that brings peace on earth here in Georgia. Yeah. Interesting. One of the, one of the uh, conversations that came up at an event um, that I attended this past week was, you know, this notion and this narrative that kept popping up. Oh, we don't have the votes. We don't have the votes. We don't have votes. And I, and I asked the question, well, how do you ever know you have the votes with the majority of bills you bring forward? There's um, I happen to go back and look this past session. There were 800 bills sub submitted out of the House and 300 out of the Senate, uh, many of them by the same, you know, same uh, people, very frankly. And and I said, well, how would you know that all of those, why, why were those submitted unless you knew you had the votes? Clearly, most of them did not pass. So you didn't have the votes. That didn't stop you then. Why would it stop you now from at least trying? Right. Couldn't get an answer. You know, it was like, you know, all of a sudden it was like, hey, I, I'm sorry, I have to go talk to them. I'll, I'll catch you up yeah. in just a few right. minutes, right? Such a pitiful excuse. Yeah. It's absolutely pitiful. Um, You know, and the excuses they're they're uh, they're getting uh, wiped off the table. You know, first it was a prosecutorial commission. Well, that one got dumped in the trash, and then yep. now the vote thing really doesn't matter because all we have to have is twenty nine votes to make the Stop Political Persecutions Act work. Yep. Um, so, you know, how many more excuses are there going to be? You know, I hope we can finally dig down, and these senators will start publicly saying that they believe that Trump and these other people are guilty because I've heard them say that behind closed doors. Really? But they don't say that to their constituents, right? They only say, well, it's the prosecutorial commission or we don't have the votes. Um, so when those excuses run out and they have to start reverting back to what they really feel, uh, it's going to be, you know, wide open I, in the primary I, season, hopefully. 
I, I believe you're hearing that. I find it, I do find it surprising given that I think the last poll said 62, 63% of Georgians are, you know, quite convinced that there was a problem with the 2020 election and, and almost that number are concerned about 2024 to the point they believe something needs to be done, changed. And yet, you know, yeah. uh, the, the legislature led, I think by probably Brian Kemp is, uh, abhorrent to touch anything to do with the elections you know we won't won't update systems won't consider paper i'm sure that's that's probably one of his worst uh, worst favorite words at the moment paper yeah. ballots please so um well you know, and, and one thing i want to say to your to your to the listeners that are part of the paper ballot please movement um you know one of the things that that these uh th these in senate leadership when they hear paper ballots um, they say, well, the paper ballots, that's what stole the election. That's what they were stuffing in those, you know, those drop boxes. Why would they want paper ballots? And they don't understand that we're talking about serial number paper ballots. We're talking about people like Spalding County that were like, well, we're going to use the machines. We're going to print off the piece of paper and that's all we're going to count. You know, we're not, we're going to forget about the barcode, um, and the QR code. So, you know, I, I think, that when we're talking to people in Senate leadership and some of these other legislators, we've got to be more clear that we're talking about foolproof paper ballots. We're not just talking about printing off a random piece of paper and shoving it into a drop box. Um, so, you know, I think that makes our argument a lot more powerful going into the legislature. Yeah. Maybe there, maybe there should be some kind of training session for, <laughs> for these guys so they can understand. Probably should. And I bet I know the guys that could present that uh, training session, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, as we, you mentioned the Stop uh, Prosecutorial um, Persecutions Act. When do you do you have a sense of when we might see more detail on that, and what could we be doing in the meantime to help support? Right. So right now, uh, there, there's basically two versions of the Stop Political Persecutions Act. Um, one adds the monetary component to RICO, which is very simple. Most states in the country have a monetary component. You know, you have to be able to prove that the person was trying to make money. Well, obviously, what Trump and these 19 others, it's very difficult to prove that they were out at, you know, they were doing these things for monetary gain. Mm -hmm. uh, but some make the argument that, you know, a rogue prosecutor like Fani could somehow prove that, you know, Trump and these 19 others were somehow trying to take a monetary advantage to themselves. So that's why we've, we've got the other piece of legislation that just lists off the charges that these 19 are involved in and says that you cannot charge those under RICO. Now, you could charge those charges individually. You couldn't charge them under RICO. So when you take RICO out of the equation, Fonnie doesn't have a case anymore, right? She can't go after Kathy down in Coffee County. Um, you know, she can't go after people outside of Fulton County. Um, and then, then the argument becomes real strong that she doesn't even have jurisdiction at with crimes within the Capitol, you know, only our attorney general does. Right. So just by removing the RICO aspect of, and the tool that Fonnie's using, you know, then she has to drop the charges. And then this isn't an argument. It isn't a problem anymore. Well, we'll be looking, we'll be looking for more info as, on that as it gets uh, closer to being uh, landed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I, I think the gameplay is going to be the same as it was for a special session. I mean, think of the pressure that is already there in this call for a special session. I mean, these legislators are still feeling the pressure from their constituencies. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I've traveled all across the state. I mean, at one point I was showing up at GOPs and had like five representatives debating against me <laughs> on whether or not to call a special session. Um, you know, people are, are putting the pressure on these legislators. And I think these legislators are finally going to have to be pushed into, you know, 
taking on the situation with the political prisoners, but also finally reforming our elections the way they're supposed to be, you know, free. Yeah. I'll make one last comment too. that is I've seen uh, uh, events that you've been at where some of the local uh, elected gentry were apparently afraid to show up because they know the people know better. Right. And, uh, right. you know, so they're they're realizing there's real pressure behind this. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's actually going to get stronger as we go forward. So absolutely. We're uh, any last questions, Todd? No, that's it. Thanks for coming on, Senator. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Well, Thank I, you. Know, I know we'll see you again soon. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. Talk soon. Take care. You too. So, uh, wow. What a fighter. Love that. Just, just a shot in the arm. It Love gives it. you, it gives you hope, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Fantastic. We're, you know, everybody just has to keep pushing. So, uh, one of the things we're big on here at CDM is self-sufficiency, self-reliance. Part of that is food, which we talked about at cdmfood.com, but also medical. And we've talked a lot about the emergency medical kit that the wellness company offers, TWC health, excuse me, twc.health forward slash CDM, where you can protect your family against all types of threats that may come down the pike. But let me tell you a story. I had a, a call from a young woman uh, this week who was vaxxed several times, unfortunately, and, and kind of is understanding what that's all about now and as she awakens. And she's got serious health problems. She's got female issues. She's got breast swelling, which I talked to Dr. Peter McCullough, and he said that's classic vax injury uh, post-vaccine. So what do you do in this situation where somebody's having symptoms from the vax? You know, there's turbo cancers, which are going out of control. The vaccine makes your body, instructs your body to produce a toxin for a long time. And we don't know how long that is. The spike protein is, is really dangerous. It essentially creates a lot of problems within your body. And uh, how do you get rid of it? Uh, nobody knows, but we have some suggestions. The wellness company has a spike support formula, which if you, uh, you know, check out the wellness company, go to twc.health forward slash CDM. You can check it out, and it has natokinase and other natural ingredients, which actually destroy and break down the spike in your body. So if you know someone who's on, who's been vaxxed and, and maybe has awakened and wants to purify their blood, essentially, check the spike support uh, supplement from the wellness company, tdlbc.health forward slash CDM, and use promo code CDM for a 10% discount on all their products, and that's the spike support. So um, all of this, um, you know, and I've talked at, at length with uh, Dr. Merrick, Dr. Corey, all of them, Dr. McCullough, and uh, this is not just, um, you know, hearsay. This is what they're all saying, that there's proof that this really breaks down the spike protein. So twc.health forward slash CDM, use promo code CDM. On that vein, I sat down with Dr. McCullough this week and had a great conversation uh, here in Poland. Um, not in person, but online. But uh, I'm going to run this video real quick. Uh, it's not that long. Just on the emerging threats that are coming our way medically that you need to be aware of. Welcome back to Information Operation. I have with us a friend of the show, Dr. Peter McCullough, coming to us from Dallas. Welcome, Doc. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Todd. So uh, there's a lot going on in the world. And I specifically asked for you to come on and talk about, uh, for one, we've got a respiratory illness, it seems, or pneumonia in China that's hurting kids, that the hospitals are overwhelmed, allegedly. We've got a monkeypox outbreak in Africa. What are your thoughts on these medical developments? Are they real? Are they created? Uh, how do people respond to this? 
Again, our U.S. pandemic response units are completely silent on these. So it's amazing how incompetent they really are. What we've learned is there is an outbreak of macrolide-resistant mycoplasma pneumonia in China, uh, two big cities, Beijing and Dalian. Uh, there are reports now in the Netherlands. Uh, this is a small bacteria. It actually invades human cells. It's common. We have it you know, around the United States. My two nieces... Uh, developed it, you know, about 10 years ago or hospitalized for a few days. Now it's it's treatable with antibiotics. It's just that this one will not be uh, responsive to azithromycin, which is typically what we use. Mm -hmm. So we'll need to use forms of tetracyclines or quinolones. Mm -hmm. I have firsthand knowledge from Michelle Schechter in Brazil who received one of these patients back from, from China to Brazil. And she said the patient cleared up very, very quickly with... Um, with uh, uh, moxifloxacin. So uh, we have a situation where the, the Chinese pneumonia is not a mystery. Uh, the WHO is you know, asking the Chinese for information. They're not getting it and we're not hearing word from our authorities, but I can tell you medically we're ready to, to treat it. Wellness company has a medical kit, Todd, and in it yeah. are the antibiotics we would need to treat this anyway. So uh, we're covered. So, you know, there, I used to be on Wall Street and there's a saying on Wall Street, interest rates are low until they're not. Well, the CVS may be open until it's not. I mean, because as the crisis are, you know, coming fast and furious, it seems smart to protect your family with the, the emergency medical kit. Uh, talk about Africa and monkeypox. Do you know anything about that outbreak? You know, monkeypox uh, typically comes out of uh, the Congo and Congo, Republic of Congo. And, and what it is, is uh, it is a, um, a, a form of a, a virus uh, that's related to smallpox and it spreads, uh, certainly it's in monkeys, but it also with giant pouch rats, that's normally how it's uh, carried. And that as uh, the workers handle these giant rats, uh, they can spread it. So we've had outbreaks sporadically uh, for decades now. There was one in the uh, United States many decades ago uh, monkeypox most recently got into the uh, the gay and male gay and bisexual community and was spread by mm -hmm. sexual uh, kind of intense sexual contact um, and uh, you know that's basically uh, what happened. So President Biden and HHS Secretary Bashara declared national monkeypox emergencies mm -hmm. about a year and a half ago. It lasted for about eight months. The cases that we saw were uh, mild. We easily treated them with ticoviramat, which is a uh, which is an oral and IV form. There was a case in Dallas, by the way, of a man who came from Congo or from Africa, and he traveled to Atlanta, Dallas, and, and unless there's really intense contact, he didn't spread it to anybody. So he he was in the hospital for a few days, started treatment, and he's fine. So monkeypox, we shouldn't worry about. By the way, anybody over fifty, like myself. We've already been vaccinated with smallpox. I already yes. got the smallpox, and that's yes. going to cover that's going to cover us anyway. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Before we move on to some of the vaccine issues, is there any other uh, disease outbreaks you know of uh, around the world that people should be aware of? You know, we're we're finishing uh, the end of this last COVID outbreak. It's been interesting. It's been a blend of uh, various strains, e.g., five mm -hmm. FL. Uh, 1.5 and now HV. HV is becoming dominant, but um, but no single strain was hyper dominant. It was a very balanced outbreak. The vaccine booster missed the mark again. It was an XBB 1.5 booster. It missed 
uh, it didn't really predict the, the dominant strains. It was very mm -hmm. mild. We treated most people as a second and third infection. We treated it with virucidal nasal sprays and washes, very mm -hmm. occasionally had to use an oral antiviral, had no hospitalizations uh, in our, uh, you know, certainly in my practice view or among my colleagues. Now, uh, in Texas, the overall count, the cumulative count for COVID deaths that would be, you know, directly due to COVID or with COVID uh, testing positive, the total number in Texas, I know this, I just presented this last night for some dignitaries, uh, 92,000, 92,000 deaths. Now in 2023, that number is 1513. Hmm. So 2023 has been very, very light. I imagine 2024, hopefully it'll get down to zero. Yeah, interesting. Let's switch to the long-term vaccine consequences. Uh, there's a lot of different symptoms coming out. Um, the wellness company has the uh, vax support. I forget the exact name with the natokinase and all that. Can you talk about some of the symptoms that people are experiencing and how that may impact those symptoms? These long vaccine syndromes, long COVID syndromes, and they're almost indistinguishable. People had COVID multiple times, vaccines multiple times. We ultimately, it's all blended. Uh, they have uh, heart pounding, palpitations, fluctuations in blood pressure, you know, sometimes serious myocarditis, uh, heart failure, a cardiac arrest, stroke, both ischemic and hemorrhagic, small fiber neuropathy, Guillain-Barre, probably about two dozen neurologic syndromes, blood clots like we've never seen before, Todd. I've seen yeah. blood clots now two years after taking the shots, big ones, you know, three really? foot long blood clots in my own practice. How do um, people just let me interject there? How do people be? How can they? What are the symptoms of that? How would they know, man, I might have a blood clot they present with a swollen leg. One leg okay. is swollen and heavy and it hurts. And if the blood clot shoots to the lungs, they get chest pain, cough up blood and have trouble bleed, uh, breathing. And this okay. is now very common in practice, both with the infection and with the vaccine. Okay, oh, really? so, so, so I, I honestly, yeah, I think the risks are pretty close. And then uh, autoimmune, we're seeing more and more patients whose blood test, ANA blood test turns positive. I presume that's what Megan Kelly has. You know, Megan said that she got developed an autoimmune problem after the vaccine. We see all kinds of reactivation syndromes. Uh, for instance, the varicella zoster shingles type reactivation syndrome. I saw a woman really? came from came from Austin, Todd, listen to this, I saw her this week, took the shot, about two weeks afterwards, developed rectal and buttocks shingles, which would not go away. It was incredibly painful. She couldn't work. Diane Feinstein had neuroinvasive shingles. It wiped out her facial and trigeminal nerve, invaded her brain, and ultimately she died of it. Um, wow. Justin, Justin Bieber has a Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. That's a signature vaccine syndrome. He hasn't been able to sing or or his face hasn't been normal in two years. I mean, these are terrible, terrible syndromes. Are this primary from the vax or from COVID also? You know, you know both contribute. Both contribute. Really? Most of the really serious things, though, that because the vaccine gives so much spike protein, uh, you know, it's largely attributed to the vaccine. Um, and, you know, if someone takes the vaccine and two weeks later it happens, obviously it's temporally associated. And, and every study, Todd, shows that the complication is related to the spike protein. Mm -hmm. The spine on the surface of the virus, the, the vaccine installs huge quantities of the spike protein. A recent paper by Brogna and colleagues shows the spike protein is circulating in the bloodstream for months, mm -hmm. you know, up to six months. It could be longer. Can you imagine 
people with the spike protein in their bloodstream after they take the shot. I mean, it's yeah. a terrible thought. So on shingles, uh, I have a, an old case of shingles on my back, but but what is the treatment of that? Does anything with the spike, uh, does, a, does the supplement help that? Does, what's the name of the spike supplement that wellness produces? Well, if, first off, this kind of broad implication of the spike protein is very important because we have now about a year's worth of clinical experience with spike support. Spike okay. support is the wellness company's lead product. It's natokinase with five minor ingredients. And it clearly is a very rational choice. It helps the body get rid of the spike protein, dissolves it, okay. helps the body get rid of it. And that spike protein is the problem. You know, yeah. building up spike protein in the body, you can't get rid of it because it's an yeah. unnatural protein that was devised by Dr. Ralph Barrick at the University yeah. of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And it was actually manipulated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So, you know, when we got sick with COVID, we got sick with an unnatural virus and the unnatural part of it, it's the spike protein. All of us have it in us. Yeah. So, so spike support has been key. Clinically, we've been observing patients get better. We've recently okay. added to it bromelain, another set of enzymes, and curcumin as a trio. We've published this now in the Journal of American Physician and Surgeons and in the PubMed National Library of Medicine Journal, Curious. So we have very good scientific footing uh, to propose this as a base. Now, your question is shingles. What do we do in addition? Well, shingles early on, we have to hit it hard with valacyclovir and prednisone. And if you get behind on shingles, it's absolutely miserable. Yeah, yeah, I can attest. Um, so one more question. What about female issues uh, post-vax? Uh, we've seen a lot of the menstrual issues. What, what other issues are females experiencing specifically post-vax? You know, any type of problem women can have with their menstrual cycle is amplified with the vaccines. The, the UK EVA project showed 78% of women are affected in terms of their menstrual periods. Heavy bleeding, sometimes resulting in anemia, symptomatic ovarian cysts, uh, making endometriosis more symptomatic. Uh, the pregnancy outcomes are terrible. We know this, the paper by Thorpe and colleagues. Uh, there's, uh, you know, fetal loss in the first trimester markedly increased, still bursts after 20 weeks, hemorrhagic death of the baby and the mother. And our CDC is reporting record maternal and now an upturn in fetal mortality. So everything's going the wrong way with mass vaccination. Uh, we're what about breast swelling? Is that an issue with you've seen with the vaccine? Yes, there, there is a paper out of Dallas showing breast swelling uh, uh, clearly related to the vaccine. It's the same breast and the same arm where the shot is, is received. And then uh, there was a paper by Stanford uh, showing, actually it did lymph node biopsies and they mm -hmm. found messenger RNA stuck in the lymph nodes two months after the women take the shots. Wow. Doc, is there anything else our audience should know regarding uh, the wellness company, the, the medical kit, uh, the spike support, uh, all that stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that my first recommendation to so many patients is go ahead and get spike support and get the bromelain and curcumin from Wellness Company, it's offered as a trio. Mm -hmm. Wellness Company has a lot of different uh, various promo codes you can use. It's, it's These are very, very affordable. Mm -hmm. And then everybody needs to probably get a general medical kit, the blue kit. It's mm -hmm. one kit per person. And then there's a specific black COVID kit. Uh, most people want to have some ivermectin on hand, have all the other essential drugs. But the broad medical kit is important. It would handle a dog bite the Chinese pneumonia, anthrax, 
Um, you know, people do not want to get burned like they did with COVID. And it's a small investment for a peace of mind. Now, listen, the kid comes with a guidebook to give instructions and a telemedicine telephone consult with a doctor to make sure mm -hmm. the right medicines are given, uh, you know, for the right conditions. And, and uh, the, the medical kits have, I think, really given people a peace of mind that we can get through this and we don't have to be frightened with every single announcement about a next pandemic. Recently, Bill Gates was on and he was calling it Pandemic 2.0 with great enthusiasm, saying we're going to be hit with another right. uh, pathogen. So our audience can get the medical kit at twc.health forward slash CDM and use promo code CDM for a 10% discount. Doc, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're not feeling well, so thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Todd. Take care. Really interesting interview, I thought, Bill. It is. He covered a lot of ground. Um, and, you know, you, again, it's kind of like you, you have a place to go to take action if you mm -hmm. feel like, you know, you're, you're at least in risk or maybe experiencing some of the things he's describing. Yeah. So it's sure. uh, it, good for folks to have a path. So uh, along with our emphasis on uh, medical security, food security is also very important. Self-reliance and getting good food into your family. And uh, our cattleman out west, Blade Miller-Smith, has some delicious beef. He's ready to send you at familyfarmbeefbox.com. That's familyfarmbeefbox.com. You can get a sample kit. You can get on his um, subscription basis where it comes on a regular basis. I can attest that my family loves it and they get excited when the beef box comes because then they know there's some good eating coming. So um, there's no mRNA, so you can be confident that uh, – that what you're putting in your family's mouth is really healthy and good. Bill, can you run uh, one of the Beefbox ads, please? Sure can. Thanks. It's going to be a good day. Monday, we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. So I can, uh, Bill's always smiling when those ads end. I love it. So I, I can attest you want to build a relationship with Glade because I'll give you an example. My, my son, uh, fresh out of college, uh, was having a cookout that he wanted to impress some people. And he didn't know what kind of beef to buy, how to cook it. So I said, call Glade. So he, he called Glade and Glade helped him out and told him exactly what to do. And it was a big success. So it's a great relationship to have long-term for healthy food for your body. Uh, let's bring in our next guest, Chris Gleason, who tells us he has a treat for us. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Gleason. How you doing? How are you guys doing? Good All good, man. So Thanks. you've been busy again this week. Wow, Florida is just exploding i hope everybody's watching the uh the soap opera drama with the menage aux trois threesome in the republican party and uh and other interesting developments but what have you got for us chris so this week uh yeah so this week was pretty interesting here in florida um chris uh christian ziegler he uh got himself into a whole bunch of trouble um 
coincidentally. Let, let me just point out that that came like the day after he refused to do anything in Lee County, right? It is. So, yeah. so <laughs> some kind of white hat maybe made that happen. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, what 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 is for certain is that uh, Christian Ziegler he he's been um, uh, very. Uh, he's been very active in trying to help hide or help uh, prevent the wrecks, the Republican executive committees across Florida from getting rid of the machines. And so this week it was kind of, in, it, was, it was, it was really interesting how um, that was playing out. And the uh, Republican executive committee in, in Lee County, Florida they, uh, they were going to vote out. They wanted to vote out the chairman there. And he had played a huge role in shutting down our initial blank ballot investigation in Lee County. And uh, so he then, uh, he then made it very difficult for the election integrity chair, um, the two of the election integrity chairs, to get rid of the machines. And when I found out about that, I called him out. Uh, about it. And he had explained to me that Christian Ziegler had offered him the position to be the head of election integrity in Florida if he shut down any of the uh, anti-machine revolt. And uh, so, so, they, so he would be head of election integrity, but don't look at the machines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. This, you know, you really can't make this stuff up, can you? You, you really can't. And uh so uh, I, I did a story about it uh, some time ago, um, outing it, outing Christian Ziegler about this, outing Michael Thompson, uh, the subject of the removal. And Ziegler this week showed up and he's like, you can't, anybody who tries to remove Michael Thompson, um, we're going to kick you out of the Republican Executive Committee. And, and by the way, we changed the rules. So you can't remove the executives from the Republican executive committee. So you can't remove the chair. You can't, you, there's only one way to do, to remove them. And that's through us, through our um, fake uh, grievance committee that they don't even really do anything with. So. Yeah. And, and just let me say, I can attest to that because I filed a 40 page grievance in April with multiple other members of the Miami Dade Republican executive committee to Christian Ziegler and never even got an email in reply. Yeah. So. Anyway. And you're not alone. And mm -hmm. so, you know, ultimately, Christian Ziegler has a real problem with consent, consent of the voters, consent of the rec members, and clearly now consent with his sexual partners. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it, it, it seems to be an epidemic, but, it, you and know, that, and that wouldn't be his wife. Yeah, it would not. be. <laughs> um, and, and there's more coming out and more will come out. Now, what was interesting about this thing with Ziegler, right, was that the police report was heavily redacted. Well, why was it heavily redacted? So Laura Loomer uh, yesterday got her hands on an unredacted version. And, you know, when you look at the unredacted vers version versus the redacted version, I believe you, you posted it too, Todd, didn't yeah, you? I did, yeah. Yeah. So you could see that it was just the, you know, uh, information and the evidence of the crime that was hidden. Kind and of just let me say that's on MiamiIndependent.com. That's right. And um, so what we see 
is they're hiding the evidence, just like they're doing in Maryland in elections, just like they're doing here in Florida in elections. So, you know, they redact and they claim all kinds of spurious exemptions. And really, all they're doing is trying to hide the evidence of their um, felonies, numerous felonies. So in Maryland, we um, this week, uh, we uh, sent a I sent a final um, uh, public records request to the uh, Maryland State Board of Elections. And they were they had been circulating a document where they claimed that blank ballots really weren't blank ballots and they were a blank page. Well, I happened to get my hands on some documents that unequivocally proved otherwise. And so we asked them, at what point are they going to stop lying about this? And what point are they going to actually hand over the, the data that they're required to hand over? Now, what was different about this particular request uh, was that I included the board for the EAC. That would be the United States Election Assistance Commission. And I included some documents directly obtained from the EAC. Now, what's funny or not funny is that the EAC is headquartered in Maryland. So there, there's going to be, uh, I'm sure I've ruined a lot of people's Friday um, <laughs> over that one. And so based on what we've found so far in Maryland, it, it has seriously created a constitutional crisis for the state of Maryland, because apparently they haven't had a legal election since at least 2014, mm. at least. So, I ended up reaching out to a, uh, a federal judge in Maryland on Friday, and uh, I spoke to his law clerk, and I explained to her what we found and the, the dire nature of, of what the implications of the findings are. And she said that she needed to talk to some people and get back to me. Um, so I, I'm hoping to have... Uh, that conversation um, in the next couple of days. But Maryland has got a, a really, really big problem. And the people of Maryland need to get all stirred up over this uh, because we can't, we don't have any consent. We don't have any consent in Maryland. We don't have any consent in Florida. We don't have any consent in Arizona. We don't have, I mean, you know, there is no more consent. And, and that's a problem. So people can find this entire uh, layout of what you're talking about on our, we have a lot of papers like the Georgia record around the country. The Easton Gazette in Maryland on the shore is where you can find that. It's also on cdm.press and it's a lengthy article which details exactly what's going on with the machine. So if you're concerned about the machines in Georgia, you should read that because it applies here too. Absolutely. It's also it's also helpful to have folks like Laura Loomer helping um, engage with uh, with you, Chris, and and help get some of this done. So uh, very, it's, a, it's really kind of coming together. It's a it's one big team that's pushing on this and yeah, making headway. And we are, you know, we, we really are. I mean, I, I come on and I give a lot of ad news, um, you know, about how rigged things are. But you know, God is good, 
And with all of the things that are presented to us, all these challenges, right? They somehow always end up resulting in more uh, things getting exposed and us getting a better, clearer under, uh, understanding of what what we've what's been going on, and you know what we need to do to take our country back. No, no. What was it? Sun Tzu said, "Never interrupt your your enemy in the midst of while well, they're destroying themselves." Yes, and they are certainly doing that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I went to a, a church service here in uh, Warsaw, in Poland today and and the message was you know don't pray for exactly what you want just know that what you need is going to be provided and say thank you amen so i think that that is um how we need to focus yeah on absolutely and, and you know that's the great thing about god right because he speaks to us through other people and things mm -hmm. around us and that you know that's confirmation of what what we're talking about right so i we didn't talk before this really no so you know, I had no idea. That's funny how God works, isn't it? It is. It is. Chris, thank you. We'll have you back and uh, keep up the hard work. I know uh, you have other things up your sleeve. And we're and to I think you're you're basically told the judge that it was treason and you were reporting it. Correct. Yes, that was that was it. Um, I uh, so we have this thing. It's called misprison of treason. And you can actually be charged for uh, for that. So I wanted to make sure that all the basis of um, what I need to cover for myself based on what I've found is secure. So what this judge decides to do with it is going to be on him. But I did my part. And we'll see if this judge is going to uphold his oath. Thank you, Chris. We'll have you back as always. All right. Thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. Take care. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I, I smiled after uh, after Glades, Ed, and I'm smiling after uh, after Chris's uh, report. There's yes. some fun stuff going on. So these times create uncertainty, and especially in financial markets, you need someone, if you are active in those markets, to discuss how to, uh, you know, I learned on Wall Street, the first thing you do is don't lose money. If you can do that, then you can try to make some money, but don't lose money. So the uh, the you need a good advisor. And I'm not talking about fluctuations in your portfolio. I'm talking drastic losses in an asset class that you don't want to be in, that no coming back from. So talk to our, uh, our trusted advisor, David Cross, uh, who you all know is all in this program all the time. But Bill, run one of his ads, please. You bet. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So somebody you can trust, you know, it's, it's uh, I had a, a Ukrainian um, refugee family that we're helping out and uh, they got ripped off down in Miami by a broker. And I said, you need to find a broker you can trust. So we helped them with that. Same thing with a financial advisor. You need somebody you can trust. That's the first part. 
So I am in Poland and I've been, and I want, I'm here because, well, I'm attending the three C's conference with um, freedom in central Europe this week, but also th this, this country is about to undergo a negative drastic change, unfortunately. And I'm here to sound the alarm because the government is shifting and the ruling party lost a recent election, at least lost power in parliament so they can no longer form a government. And Donald Tusk is likely to come in in January and there's gonna be big changes in Poland, which is known for its Christianity. I can tell you the Christmas spirit is alive and well here. Uh, people are joyous, the, there's decorations everywhere. Um, it's clean, the Wi-Fi works, there's no homeless, there's no trash. Uh, the, the architecture is amazing. And you know, I look back at New York and we should be ashamed that we're living like pigs in New York City because it doesn't have to be that way in all of our other cities, Chicago, LA, um, it's, it's just ridiculous and we should not accept it as people. So that's point number one. But point number two, I want to raise the alarm on what's going on in Poland. And I'm just going to run a short clip that I threw together while I was uh, putting this out yesterday. And then we'll talk about it. Hello, I'm El Todd Wood. Welcome to Warsaw or Warsaw, Poland. This is Eurobytes. This is a single hit Eurobyte. We're going to be doing many more, more than just our annual or a weekly show where we have all four of us. We're gonna be doing a lot of these single hits around Europe, so I hope you enjoy them. I'm here because I want to bring a, not a wake up call, but a banging the clacks and warning that Poland is about to lose its society, its, its culture and its Christian heritage. And why is that? We'll get into that in a minute. But let's talk about our past at CDM. I used to write for the Washington Times. I had a column, Sunday paper called Behind the Curtain. And then we have content on Eastern Europe. I also work for Newsmax. So we did hits around Eastern Europe and had a series called A Man in the Suitcase. And that was a lot of fun. But I, I decided that Americans needed to learn a lot more about this area. So I started our first site, Tsarism, uh, almost 10 years ago. And we, we've been reporting and early, early, early on stories around the world. And this story we're very early on and we're going to continue on this story. One thing about Poland is that it's it's very clean, uh, very civilized, uh, no homeless people, no trash. Christmas is available or, or allowed. And, you know, Christmas decorations are everywhere. Everybody's joyful about Christmas. But my fear is this is likely about to change. So uh, that's why we're here. I've been meeting with sources all week and we're going to be doing more and meeting with government officials as well. And I just want to do a quick hit on where we stand before the week starts here in Warsaw. Uh, the recent election on October 15th saw the, the ruling party PIS drop to about 36%, although they're still the biggest party in parliament. They don't have a majority and they can't form a government. The, the current prime minister is trying, but it, to no avail. So it looks like in January that Donald Tusk will form a coalition with several other parties. Tusk is an EU mouthpiece. He is basically doing what Brussels and Davos want, which is to bring lots of immigrants into Warsaw into Poland in general and Hungary and Central Europe and destroy the culture. And so that is what we're fearful of. I met with uh, several gentlemen today who talked about the other parties. The civic platform is Donald Tusk's party. Third Way is another one that has a lot of centrists in it that uh, we'll talk about in a minute. But also there's a leftist party with about 9% and a party called the Confederation, which is kind of uh, akin to the AFD in Germany. And, and which is rising in popularity, kind of a populist nationalist party. So we're going to watch all these over the next several years. But there was massive turnout in the election, and PIS took a lot of hits because they were pumping a lot of propaganda, 
one-sided on the uh, on the state media, which they control. And also, there was a corruption stand scandal inside PS with some of the members selling visas to immigrants from North. It'll come back. It's just I didn't realize it was bad like this. All right, I'm just going to remove it. I didn't realize that was halted like that. So Poland is a big issue, and we want to stay on the story. Um, what's happening in our country? You know, it's, it's kind of a you can look at like what America cities were before it happened to us, and, and we want to stop it from happening in Eastern Europe and correct it in in America because we literally don't have to live the way we're living in these cities. I was I was shocked at the difference. Um, literally walking down Old Town in Poland and not a piece of trash anywhere. Beautiful architecture, people well-dressed, um, children running around playing in all cultures, not, not just whites. I mean, and it's a very mixed, uh, the, this church service I went today was, you know, 50-50 white and other nations. So uh, my point is we have to not give up what's left of what we have and we have to regain our society and our culture and our freedom and, and our, our safety. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that out, Bill. Super important. And, and uh, again, it's, it begs the, uh, begs the question, what, what is it going to take for us to get back to that status? But I, I don't know how about you, you feel, but I, I know we can get there. I know we can yeah. get there. It's just, it's the resolve that's required from the American people to make sure that we do what's necessary. We just have to not accept what's going on, essentially. And and with all this uh, organized protest and support of terrorism and and all of this other stuff. So that's just not acceptable. So with that, uh, let's bring on our next guest. Okay. Mr. Brian Pritchard, you are... (laughs) We are delighted to have you, and you are a, you are very been very patient. This uh, almost every segment's gone a bit long today, so thank you. We're delighted to have you, sir. Well, Bill, thank you, and and Todd, thank you, and and look, you guys, you guys are amazing. I, I mean, you might be going a little long, but what's great is I get in here early, and I'm listening to Colton Moore and Doctor McCollum, and the list goes on. I. So thank thank you. I, I'm trying to get focused here. I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> <laughs> when are when are you not focused? You're focused two hours every morning during the week. So okay, I'll take that. I'm trying to get focused. Hey Todd, let me let me say before we get started. I I want to tell you uh, and every viewer you have. Thank you so much for what you're doing. It's it's amazing. Uh, Todd Todd's kind of guy said, look I. We can't, we can't trust, and we can't, folks. We can't trust these other outlets to tell us what's going on. I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to go find out. I want to. I just want to take that time to say thank you, Todd, for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. We've done that for a long time, and just need to grow the audience, you know. But with your help and back and forth, we're we're doing that. So this has been an interesting week. We to- we spoke earlier to uh, Senator Colton Moore about uh, some of the things he shared as the special session uh, got started. And of course, it's all about um, and was ordered to essentially redo the maps that make up the way that uh, the structure of our governance, both within the Georgia General Assembly and and also the way that we choose our um, uh, congressional representatives. So there is nobody that seems to know 
uh, more about this and its implications than you. And so we wanted to invite you on and get your perspectives on all of that and what it means as we go forward. Well, I sent you several graphs over and I uh, uh, just want to tell the audience, we, we will probably run through these pretty rapidly, but um, our audience, you guys do your research. So you'll take several things I share and you, you're going to go do research. I know how you, how uh, our audience likes to look into things, but let's, let's start with redistricting right now. And, and let's remember, we have a, we have a judge that, uh, that said that the maps presented, the maps presented in 2020, after the census there in Georgia, the redistricting every 10 years, the maps presented in 2020 for our 2022 election, because there's a lot of question, Bill, like, why did we use this map in 2022? Um, and we'll get into that in a minute, that those, those maps for our Georgia state um, House and State Senate and congressional districts violated none other than the 1965, uh, what, what is that, the 1965 Voter Voting Rights Act was violated. So a 500, let's see, 516-page ruling came down a couple months ago from none other than U.S. District Judge Steve, Stephen, Steve C. Jones, an Obama-appointed judge saying we have to redo our maps. So could you give me uh, number one first of all? Yep. There now, now we're, we're, we're not going to go one, two, three, four, five, so I'm not trying to throw you off, but I just want to start with this one. This is proposed map. So if everybody out there Friday, if you if you got this map and you're looking at it, this is the congressional map and you're looking at it, Let's remember, this is the proposed Senate version, uh, state Senate version of the congressional map. Uh, the House version is not out. I do not look for the Georgia State House version to be a lot different than what you see on the screen, but this is a proposed congressional map. I'm going to show you the map that was used in our election here in Georgia in 2018, 2022, and the proposed one now. And then I'm going to show you the map that the judge may give us. And we're going to clear all that up. So for those of you out there that say, is this the map? No, it's the proposed map. We won't know that till the judge tells us what our map is. So nothing, nothing more than we love is having to wait on the judge. Uh, just another thing for some details here. The proposed map will go into conference Monday. So we're still under a special session in the state of Georgia. Uh, this will go under a conference Monday. Uh, it's anticipating uh, Governor Brian Kemp will sign the new maps by Thursday that would be the 7th, and they will get sent to the judge December 8th, and we'll get into that in a minute. Now, how did all this happen? All right, so let's do a little history. Give me number 17. Oh, you're going to jump around on me, are you? No, no, no. We'll, st we'll stay in some order, but let's go to 17 if you could. Okay. Uh... All right. 
So is that the one? I, no, do I have to treat you? Let's see, is that 17? Yeah. No, no, that's not 17. That's 16. You're act, you're, you're as bad there as you that. go. <laughs> you're like you're like Diane on a Monday morning. Uh, I I will never pretend to be as good as Diane. So you're gonna okay, have to so, you're gonna have to grant me some grace. <laughs> so anyhow. This is the national dist- the, the national Democrat redistricting committee. All right. Now here's where you're going to get upset out there, viewers and Bill and Todd. You're used to it, but we just have to break it to you. I got to break it to you. Democrats play a long game better than we do. They just do. They they play the long game. Uh, they prepare. They plan. I know you don't like this, but. They know, especially in the South and Republican red states, that they cannot at the ballot box win win the majority or make you know make headway into the majorities of Republicans in the South. So what do you do? You do it through the court. Now, here's two guys. Todd, you might want to close your eyes on this one, but give me number. This one's number 18, okay? So there you go. So why are we getting new maps in Georgia? You see, that's Barack Hussein Obama. That'd be the guy with the big ears, all right? (laughs) And the other guy is Eric Holder, the guy with the real heavy mustache there. And you see at the top, the Democrat, National Democrat Redistricting Committee, right? So Eric Holder, the... Obama Attorney General, he left office September 25th, 2014. Why did he why did he leave two years before they were finished? Because Obama put him out in front to plan for redistricting through the courts because they know that they can change things through the courts. And Eric Holder went out to start the National Democrat Redistricting Committee. Now, go back to 17, the one you had earlier, right? Uh, okay. So, uh, and and we're going somewhere with this. The one right before, there you go. That's that's the National National Democrat Redistricting Committee. And now go to 16. These are really quick, folks, but it's just going to lay out where we're at today. Dems tap none other than for you know, critical redistricting push, Barack Obama. So when Obama left, his political arm was absorbed into this redistricting committee, all right? And let me just, now here's where we're going to pull this together. They have been working on this for a long time, and Republicans only hold a handful of seats, and um, they only hold a handful of seats in Alabama recently. uh, We're going to pull all this back into Georgia. Alabama recently, a judge just redrew the maps, congressional maps, and Alabama gained two new black congressional seats. And the Associated Press, I I didn't send you this, the Associated Press, and this has just happened in October. The court-ordered lines in Alabama come 
as redistricting cases are pending in Louisiana, Georgia, and elsewhere, Ohio, all over, okay? Former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, chairman of the National Democrat Redistricting Committee, said other states should view the Alabama decision as an example of basic fairness, all right? So this committee is not the Democrat restructuring, uh, uh, National Democrat uh, Redistricting Committee. They're not the plaintiff in these states. They go to these states and they find a plaintiff that says it's unfair. That's why they're not in the shadow, but they're the driving force. It wasn't long ago Nancy Pelosi held an amazing fundraiser for these people. So in Georgia, we have the uh, the new state, and let's go let's go with number five. Now here we'll go in order. Let's go to Georgia for a minute. All right, we'll pull all this together, folks. As you can see, this is the face of the plaintiffs here in Georgia a 516-page ruling, and when you start going through there, I did not read the entire 516-page page ruling. Uh, you get number six, go to six, and uh, this is the congressional map, we'll come back to it, that's in the plaintiffs, uh, that the plaintiffs have sent to the judge. There's a possibility that the map on the screen, which is not really enlarged, would end up being the congressional map. But here's where it gets really interesting, is give me number seven. You see the Cooper Senate plan? Now, look real close, folks. The Cooper Senate plan. Now, all these documents I'm showing you are in the 516-page ruling from the judge, Steve C. Jones, that says what? Nothing more racist than, hey, you know what? Your congressional districts aren't black enough. Yeah, I'll get into that in a minute. But it says Cooper Senate map. Now, according to this map, that they want, this is not the map, this is the map in the ruling, they planned to contain three, they plan to have three additional what they call black state senate districts. Three. Give me number eight. Look at the top, Cooper's house plan. The Cooper House plan looked to add five new Democrats. They could call them black house districts, but they're five new state house districts. This is the Cooper plan. Number nine, who is Cooper? Who the hell's Cooper? Now, this is where I would love for this audience to start going and doing some serious research on how this guy Cooper 
has this much power? Because wait, wait and see. It's not just Georgia. Um, the ACLU offered up an expert Tuesday who recently testified in where? The Obama redistricting case. Not Obama, Alabama. I'm sorry. The Alabama redistricting case. William S. Cooper, a private consultant based in Virginia, said Tuesday the number of black state house Senate districts. Cooper is number 12. Now I'm sorry to jump around here because this is this this is and we'll get back to Georgia and the maps in just a minute. In the United States District Court for the Northern District of where? Alabama. William S. Cooper. Huh. My name is William S. Cooper. I have a BA in economics from Davidson College, a private consultant, Alabama. Well, wait a minute. Give me number 13. This is in the United States District Court of the Southern District of where? Ohio. Ohio, wait a minute. This is the redistricting, folks. In accordance to Ohio, now this is number 14. Go to 14. This is also Ohio. This is in this same same one. Uh, 869, in drawing a hypothetical plan, Mr. Cooper did not take, Mr. Cooper, Mr. Cooper shows up in Maryland. Mr. Cooper shows up in Ohio. Mr. Cooper shows up in the North Carolina redistricting. Mr. Cooper shows up in Alabama. That damn Cooper's a busy guy. <laughs> now, I'm just, I, I tell you, I started, I started studying this. And give me number 15, and we'll get away from this. This is his declaration of William Cooper, who he is. All right. He's a private consultant, ACLU. So when you go back, if you could just go back one more for me here, we'll take a look into number seven, and then we'll go to the maps. Cooper Senate plan. So... There's an orchestrated, as I started, effort in all of the states, Ohio, North Carolina, uh, uh, North Carolina, even in the Maryland, Louisiana has a case right now. Alabama just had their redistricting done. I mean, do, do you see what they've done here? I mean, while we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine, it, Bill, this, this this kind of stuff right here is exactly what I talk about on a daily basis. While the media is out there running smoke and mirrors, these operations behind the scene. Now, where are we in Georgia with this? This past week, the state of Georgia introduced um, maps Here's, here's another thing I don't like. See number 11? Give me 11. I'm sorry, Bill. I know I'm jumping just a little bit. 11, 11 is 
a a do you see you see the black line? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's considered the black belt. They went in, they went in and and they went through every district. And they they even went to this length right here, number 10. They they did research on the Georgia black belt school districts. They call them black belts. They went through black school districts and everything to try to redraw these lines. That being said, number and and here's where I'll try to bring this together and I, I hope some of this was useful. If you go to number four, number four is the map. This is the map where you're looking at the congressional districts where District 9, District 14, 9 is Andrew Clyde, 14 is Marjorie Taylor Greene, 11 is Barry Loudermilk. This is the map where District 6 is where Lucy McBath flipped. This is at this map you see here is when Lucy McBath was the uh, was the congressional uh, congresswoman in the sixth district. She beat Karen Handel. That's the map you're looking at. All right, District Seven that you're looking at there is when Carolyn Bardot, she the Democrat, she beat Rob Woodall. No, she beat Rich McCormick. That's District 7 is, is the old District 7 is where uh, Rob Woodall or Woodman or whatever his name is uh, used to be the congressman there. I think he only won by like 500 votes when he, when he won the, the last time. Seven there was held by a Republican. And what ended up happening there, Rich McCormick ran the seventh. Carolyn Bardot got that. It flipped to Democrat. The sixth district flipped to Democrat when Karen Handel lost it to Lucy McBath. So what we did is we drew number three. So this is the map in question. This is the current map in question. What happened is our lawmakers um, basically said, you know what, we're going to give the 7th District away. And they, and they did, and that's where Lucy McBath is now in that 7th district you see on the screen. So our lawmaker said, you know what, we're basically going to give the 7th district away. We're, we're, going to, we're going to build a new 6th district and get it back into Republican hands. And that's where current Congressman Rich McCormick is today. Now, what happened there on this map, because this is where it comes into people say, well, wait a minute, we, we, we drew the maps, we voted on the maps, which is interesting to me that the, the court would allow us to. But what happened is they, they put the lawsuit in place for those out there questioning, how can they do this now? They put the lawsuit in place and they had it entered before we voted on this, before we voted on members of Congress using this map, and the judge said, 
Now get this, you ready? The judge said, well, we're not going to change the districts now because we don't want to interfere with an election. The election cycle's already going. We don't want to, what the hell are they doing now? So basically what they said is we won't interfere with the 2022 election. It's 2024 where we really want to screw with the election, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this makes sense. So this is the map that we released where Rich McCormick is the sixth district and as you well know, the others. So the proposed map, let's get into that. That's district, that's number one. This is the promote, proposed map. And then I'm, then I'm going to do the grand finale, all right? This is the one that they proposed. This will go to conference Monday. This map will go to conference. It'll be signed by the judge. I don't look for the house map. That's just an opinion. I don't look for the house map to look a lot different. Okay. Hey, let me let me interject one question, uh, Ryan, if I could. You you did a great job explaining that this is not just a Georgia effort. This is going on in a number of states, and is absolutely the out the output of a multi year plan to do precisely what we're saying now. You you also said Alabama went through this process. So one of the questions I have is how did they end up? Did they were they able to craft a map that got accepted? Did it no. go back and the and the judge no. decided what happened judge, there? Judge decided. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Um, and 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 let's not forget. Um, and and we can come back to that. Let's let's not forget. This is where it can get confusing because what happened is Pennsylvania already went through this, but Pennsylvania did it last time, and the court the courts in Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania lost. I think off the top of my head, I think the state of Pennsylvania lost three Republican. I do know of two for a fact, two to three Republican uh, uh, congressional seats. You know, when they say that we didn't have the big, uh, the big red tsunami last time, I, I, I get that. But you got to realize without redistricting last time, uh, Pennsylvania would have probably added two more congressional seats to the Republican, you know, majority. So, and, and don't forget, the, I can't remember, and I'd have to do research on one of these yet that they accepted the map. And I, I, I and in fact, you're going right where we need to go right now. So this is the proposed map. Um, as you can see, it basically creates a new 7th district. Now, this is where it's going to get real interesting because if this map would, would hold, Rich McCormick, you see the new 6th district way down there, Congressman Rich McCormick probably would run in the 7th district and he would not run with an I next to his name. It would basically be an open seat. Because there's no way he's going down and trying to maintain being the congressman from the 6th District. Uh, the 10th District, they shuffle a little bit. Jackson County goes back up into the 9th. But who is really upset in this? You know, Lumpkin has been in the 9th for years. and But Hall County is very upset. Just throw that in there. Hall County is very upset to be moving over and now what you see is Gwinnett 
would end up in four districts. And I want to talk about that on the Republican Party side. I want to, if we got a minute, I want to say, what does this mean also to the Republican Party? But going back to what you said, here's the thing. The judge required them, and let me go here because I, I brought this. We'll go to number two. Look at two. And folks, you may not be able to see this at home, but with map one, you see the population summary. In the 516, in the 516 page ruling, basically what the judge said is there's a lack of representation on the state level, House and Senate, and congressional level for black um, Georgians, period. So you need to make sure they have black Georgians, folks not Asians, not Hispanics, black Georgians need to have more representation. That's pretty simple. This graph right here shows you all the districts. And as you can see, now I don't have the alternate graph to show you, but for example, the sixth district now goes to a 50%, okay, uh, black voters or, or population, the population. You can see the graph that goes with these districts. And they did they did the same thing with one. Uh, in the House and the Senate. Now, if you go back to District 1 for uh, picture one for a minute, I'll wrap that up, your question. Remember, Cooper's proposed house map, basically it's five new Georgia State House seats. The proposed map, Democrats get zero. Cooper's proposed State Senate map I think it's three state Senate seats that they plan to shift to Democrats. The Georgia proposed maps, they get zero. And then this legislative map, all right, they were looking for at least two. And I'll tell you what Democrats are looking for. They're looking to get the sixth back. They're looking to get... Uh, the 11th, a little closer, you got to look at the other map, but we won't show it. The 11th, a little closer to Democrat hands, and the 9th. They were looking to get the 6th, the 9th, and the 11th district. And they, this map gives them nothing. So here's the, here's the deal. Our lawmakers in Georgia say, we met the judge's requirements. Because what they did is they just took Democrat districts and pushed black areas of Democrat districts into other Democrat districts and increased the black population in that district, but did not change the lines where it would affect whether the districts surrounding it would go Republican or Democrat. You get what I'm saying? Let yeah. me ask you, Brian, because, um, you know, one thing they're not considering is, especially in the black male population, a lot of those are coming to President Trump, maybe <laughs> not to the GOP, but to the President Trump. I get sure. it. Yeah. No, no, you're no, no, no. I, I, I get that loud and clear. I get mm -hmm. it loud and clear. 
But that's what they're doing is they're just shifting pockets of the black population into districts, but it won't change the surrounding districts. So at the end of the day, the Republican maps, they say meet the judge's requirements. I, for one, don't believe the judge will see it that way. That's my opinion, because if you go and look at Alabama, now I do, here's the bad news, folks, is they're going to send these maps to the judge on, on December 8th. Uh, my understanding is conference will be done tomorrow. Uh, everything will be ready. Everything will be ready for Governor Kemp to sign, because he has to sign all these back into a law again, I'll be ready to sign Thursday and we'll go to the judge uh, that same day. How long the judge, how long the judge takes to approve or disapprove the plan and the new maps, I'm not for sure. But if the Democrats get zero, and I mean zero out of this, um, I don't see the judge going with it. Now, what happens there is... That's it. This is our this is our only chance. This is all the states. The judge then has a panel that he has assembled. And trust me, we do not get treated well. Republicans never get treated well on these panels. But he has an internal panel assembled like Mr. Cooper's maps that are ready to go that the judge implements. And that'll be the final. So the judge had asked for a specific, I thought, maybe I'm mistaken, a specific number of new black majority districts. And the way you're describing what is proposed here, this provides none. Is that, is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. So, so isn't let it, me, isn't let it me almost say 100%? This, the judge, I don't know if the judge, I don't think the judge uh, required and it, and, and I, I, I I feel pretty good about this. I don't think the judge required new black districts. That is, that is every document I showed you is in the ruling from, from the plaintiff. Those are not the judge's map. Remember that's Cooper's suggested maps to the judge. Cooper's maps would, what they think bring five new black districts when you 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 can't just draw a district because now that has to just be up to the you know the voters to decide if it's a democrat or republican district so i i understand what you're saying but i think that the real point from the judge is blacks have to have more representation and you have to have and now what they've done kindly agree with you on this what they've done is they've taken these districts and they've pushed black voters into it they give them such a strong majority that they are basically black districts where you couldn't count them as black districts a month ago you get what i'm saying i do so it's not that there's new districts it's that the balance within certain districts is better it just strikes me they could be called black districts, but all they did was shift pol- population lines. And the other lines are still in Metro, which is still Democrat, which will still be Democrat. Yeah. 
How fast do you think that this would get finalized once it reaches the judge? Week? Maybe more? No, I, I really, I, I'll find out what the speculation is. Now, you do need to know also, as we do have from the Secretary of State's office, uh, we, 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 we are challenging the original ruling. Now, the original ruling is being challenged, but I, I don't give that any weight. What, what I'm, I guess the reason for the question is, as we stand here today, we're in, well, we're in the first week of December. <clears throat> the primary is due the second week of March. So we're um, just about three, three months and maybe a little bit away. So this would be, whatever gets finalized would be in place for the primary and beyond. Is that, that's correct, yes? No, no, no. You're you have two primaries. You have your presidentials in March, and then I think your actual your other one like is late May or May tenth or whatever. You have two primaries coming up. Your your March primary is is not is not your state house reps and your state senate um, and con and uh, congressional. Those are in May. Okay. Uh, uh, your your March is your presidential. When you have a, when you have a presidential primary, that's all you have is presidential primary. That's the only thing on the ballot. That's March, and none of this affects that. It would be May. But let me let me go into two more things that's very important here. Is on your not congressional because congressional you do not have to live in your district. Currently. Uh, Congressman Rick Rick McCormick does not live in the sixth district. Currently, currently, Congressman Andrew Clyde does not live in the ninth district. You do not have to for a federal office, the congressional office. You don't have to live in your district. You do have to live in the state. But here's the interesting thing with all of this mess, and and I say they do it on purpose, and they saved it up for 2024. Is you do realize on your state house and your state senate. Uh, those races, you have the the residential requirement. You have to live in that district for a year. So if your district lines are shifting and you're waiting for a judge to tell you, hey, where, where, what district am I running in? You may not live in that district for a year. You may be drawn out of your district and you don't live in it anymore. So there, there is... There's a lot of confusion there. And I, I will say this just for the GOP side. I've had this question to me as the first vice chair of the Georgia Republican Party, and I don't want to I don't want to mess it up. But if you're out there and you're a, a county chair, nothing changes. You're a county chair. But if you're a a district chair, it's very possible you're drawn out of your district and you're no longer the district chair. And those districts have to have uh, a new a, a new election to elect district district chairs. And I feel bad. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you where the pressure is. You go back to one here and and Bill talking about that when it comes to 2024. You look at Gwinnett, the chairman of the Gwinnett County Republican Party has to try to get four members of Congress elected. <laughs> four different members of Congress has to, there, there's a lot of work when you're looking, look at, look at uh, Cobb County. Cobb County in the new one would 
Looks like it has three three districts in there, six, 14, and 11. Those chairs, those chairs of those districts have an enormous, have an enormous um, job to do in getting things up and running for 2024. So I hope what I, I hope what I bring today is useful. I, ho- I hope it was useful. And if you have any questions. Well, I, th- I think the, the key is to watch carefully as we go through this coming week. Um, I seem to recall that you have some special things you're going to be covering this week as well, aren't you? Yeah. And, and let me just say this in closing on this subject, folks, I started out by telling you something I do not want to do. I, 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 it pains me to come and look at the camera because trust me, I beg our side all the time to wake up. Democrat, the big-eared guy, you remember the big-eared guy I showed you and Eric Holder and Nancy Pelosi? They are playing a long game and they play it very well and they, and they set everything up and you keep saying to yourself... I have so many people saying, how did this happen? And I say, I wish I didn't have to tell you how this happened. I wish I did not have to discuss. These people strategically put judges in place. They strategically know they can't win at the ballot box. And the only way to go through red states is to do what they're doing here. Um, Hmm. Let me let me get off that. I I um, I have two. I apologize for getting back into that bill. But um, that's fine. Um, it's not just Georgia. Yes, this week we're doing a special called uh, just a, an election integrity week, and I'm excited about this uh, this week. We're Monday tomorrow morning. I'll have David Cross on. Tuesday morning, Marley Hornick uh, out of New York. She will be on Tuesday morning. Kim P. Brooks will be Wednesday morning. Thursday morning, Sam and Field. I know him as Sam and Field, and I also know him as the uh, the Grady County Boys, Georgians for Truth. They will be on at eight thirty, and we'll wrap up at nine a.m. Thursday with Garland Favorito. So every day this week, we're focusing on election integrity. These people here, these data analysts, they have data that they're going to reveal. They have they have what happened, what happened, where we're at, and we're going to discuss what we got to do in twenty four. Can, can I make a real quick? And I know our time is up, but I can I make a quick comparison because I'm looking at this. You know, I've been in sales and marketing my whole entire life. All right, and when I used to have sales teams and we had a quarter and our sales were down. We would grab everybody, and I was thinking of this analogy. We'd grab everybody, and we'd throw them in there, and we would, you know, our sales were down 6% in the last quarter, and we, you know, we'd get the whiteboard, and we'd start with why, okay? Why, all right? And we'd have all the reasons why our sales were down. Then what are some of the tools? What are some of the tools that we could put in place. So then we would do the whiteboard, the column of all the things we could put in place to make change. Our prices too high or service, but all the above, right? And then we would go with, okay, now how do we get our sales up? And what, what plan can we come together with column A, B, 
be what plan could we come together and implement, right? So I think of that and I think, well, SHI asterisk, we can't get the right people to get in the room to understand the why. They keep telling us we should forget about the why. And then we can't get the tools we need. We can't get lawmakers to get on board with the tools we need to accomplish the third column. I don't know. Did I just make that too simple? So I have to tell you, every time I get asked, I'll look at the camera. Every time I get asked, how do we win in 2024? I I, I think to myself, I go back to my sales days and I think, well, we used to get the why. We used to put all the you know, the the tools together, we had to do it. And then we had an implementation plan. I could say implementation today, right? <laughs> Todd, did I make that too simple? As simple is good, Brian. Help me out. Well, Help me out here, Todd. <laughs> well, we got part of the, the so-called Republican Party that doesn't want to be Republicans. I mean, that's the big problem we have. So, All right. Uh, so thank you very much. I want to say this. The Ohio Republican Party, the Ohio Republican Party endorsed Donald J. Trump. I would love to see the Georgia Republican Party endorse Donald J. Trump. Uh, I'd love to see it happen. Let's go ahead and do it. And the other thing is, you know, I made a commitment. I made a commitment when I ran for first vice chair. I looked at 2,000 delegates. And I want to see if some people will make the same commitment back to me. I looked at 2000, I I campaigned all across state and I got people because I tell people I'm a Trump supporter and you guys know that. And I had people all across state say, well, what if he's not the nominee? Okay. And I looked people in the eye and said, look, if I cannot, uh, whoever the nominee is, if you elect me first vice chair, whoever the nominee is, I will support getting the nominee elected. I looked at 2000 delegates and said that. Now, if, now listen, hear me clear, let's be clear. If for some reason, some reason, Donald Trump's not the nominee, if, I'm going to look at the camera and tell everybody, if I cannot 100% go out the door and support the nominee, I would resign. I, if, I couldn't, if I couldn't do what I looked at you and promised, I would say I couldn't do it. My thing is, is I'd like to ask everyone else in the Georgia State Party, if Donald Trump is the nominee, will you make the same commitment to actually support him 100% for election or just step out and say, I can't do it and resign? Fascinating question. Just... Just wondering. I was just something I was wondering on Sunday afternoon. I'm, I may create an excerpt out of uh, today's show, and we'll just save that one for his little nugget to bring up <laughs> later on. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, might, might come in handy at some point. <laughs> hey, look, sooner or later, you guys are going to have to kick me off because you know I won't shut up. Uh, well, we love so, having uh, you, Brian. So, uh, Brian, my, my family has a tradition of Christmas and Dixie, and we kind of gather in certain spots. And this year we're going to be up in the North Georgia mountains. So I think I need to go over and buy you a cup of coffee. And if you're nice, maybe some boiled peanuts or something. But we need to get together. I, I tell you what, you, you, <laughs> first of all, Christmas and Dixie, that's what it's all about. 
please let me know when you're in area. I, I'd love to come and sit down and have a cup of coffee. In fact, I'll tell you what, let me do it. I got to throw, I got, I know, I know, I know both of us, we, we, we like to get paid, but, but I'm going to get, I'm going to throw a freebie out for a friend. We have a conservative coffee shop now. Oh. So Blue, Blue Ridge, Georgia, a guy just opened a, it's conservative grounds. It's a coffee shop for conservatives. He has a replicated Oval Office in there. Which, <laughs> no, it's there. You got, you got. So when you do Legit. come, I'm taking it. That's where we're going to have a cup of coffee. Deal, deal. All right. That sounds great, Brian. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, more uh, he to hear from you this week as things take place. So, um, if we miss anything, please reach out and make sure we get it, uh, get it out to the people. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Bill. With Thanks, us. Todd. Always great take to care. be with you guys. See you soon. Well, we it's been a long show, but I'll tell you what, we covered some covered some serious ground today. No, there's no other show like the Georgia 24 show. That is the truth. No, nobody else puts out the amount of real informative information that we do. Yeah, so. and I think it's only going to get more as we go. Somehow, I just have that funny feeling. Yeah. So before we go, I want to just bring one international event today that happened. You know, they have these, they had the COP28, which is John Kerry's big climate conference in the United Arab Emirates this week. And, you know, all these hypocrites fly in their private jets to expend massive amounts of carbon, which carbon isn't a bad thing. CO2 makes plants live, but that's a whole nother debate. But they flew there and, uh, the head of the conference, the president of the conference from UAE, Sultan something, I forget his name. He says, well, you know, the science for this just doesn't exist. And if we do this, we're going to go back to living in caves. <laughs> so you know that meme where you're watching the screen for the football team and then everybody goes crazy? That I want to make a meme of that. <laughs> just play that over did, and over. <laughs> did you see what else happened while they were there? No, go ahead. Many of the jets, because of a winter storm that hit, many of the oh, jets got frozen, so they couldn't they couldn't be used. They were frozen. I, I didn't know that was there. Yeah. That, that was in I the think US. I, I I think it was. It might have been somewhere else, but the timing was good enough for me. I, I yeah. you know, be beautiful Gulf Stream with its front wheel off the ground because it was frozen. Oh goodness! Exactly. Well, thank you guys. Anything else, Bill? Did, there is one other thing just before we run the final credits, there's a little video that I would like to show that was made up um, in preparation for a um, presentation that uh, Mallory uh, Staples and Colton Moore and Charlie Spurd did in Cherokee. And it's just a few minutes, a couple, three minutes, but I wanted to show that. And then um, if, if there's anything else we can do that or, or we can run straight to credits. But uh, I, I thought that would be a little, you know, we need a little happiness and a little bit of, fun as we go through this sometimes you gotta you gotta waggle your nose at the bad guys and so i thought that would be fun for everybody to see leadership in the united states of america in every state where people have been falsely indicted president trump and others there are two state legislators who have stepped forward to take the heat to say this is not right we are not going to stand for this we're not going to sit by and they are in this room right now they are on this panel right here 
We're talking about what is going on in the state of Georgia right now, and it's horrendous. We all see it. 18 people and Donald Trump have been indicted for expressing their First Amendment rights to question the integrity of an election. We are fighting for our First Amendment rights. All rights come from God, the cornerstone of America. And it's very disconcerting that people are not listening to what Colton and I are trying to do to remove a rogue DA in the state of Georgia. We are in a war, folks. What I'm fighting for is ancient. And that's why some folks are calling me the Rhino Wrangler. And you too, Charlize, because our job is to encourage these representatives and these senators to begin to take action. The first step they could do is they could sign on and call for a special session. We've got one of the most powerful tools of all. You get to thinking what can be done. Well, the first thing is we can defund Fonnie Willis of the three and a half million dollars in taxpayer funds, you and I's hard-earned tax dollars that are funding this type of rogue prosecution. It's a rogue communist domestic threat to our constitution, Fonnie Willis. You know, I wanted to fund Fonnie Willis of the three and a half million dollars that she receives in taxpayer funds. And people say, well, that's not a lot of money. But for Northwest Georgia and my district, it is a lot of money, especially when our district attorney has a triage of cases himself and he can't find attorneys to prosecute those cases. Why can't he? Because they're working in Fulton County and these other metropolis counties because they have so much money, they're able to outbid him in Northwest Georgia. She's got too much money. That's what she's got. It's funny, I've been kicked out of the majority caucus, but I don't call them the Republican caucus. Well, they're rhinos. You're about to have a young hillbilly come off the mountain and he's about to stir some stuff up. GOPs across the state are sending out a unanimous decision to support our efforts for a special session. And this is the first time I remember where you had metropolis GOPs in rural counties and coastal Georgia all singing the same tune. They want the special session and no one is listening to them. They are even doing resolutions at their meetings. I'm not sure why those people in leadership under the gold dome are not listening to we the people. Citizens demand accountability. Hope to have had that in the election, but unfortunately the election has shown itself to be fraudulent. And so then their second round of accountability is dependent on their legislators taking action. You know, we're far beyond now just an election being stolen. Now we're taking political prisoners. And the precedent that that sets, extremely dangerous. When you have attorneys who are being charged, facing the rest of their life in jail, how do other attorneys in the state reconcile that. People look at Washington, D.C. and they think, all oh, the communist takeover is just in D.C. But Charlize, it's here. It's in Atlanta. It's within the Senate chamber. People are scared to speak out now, which is what they want us to do since January the 6th. And if you can indict a former president and 18 others, it's only a matter of time before they come after you and me and everybody else in the state of Georgia. I hope you will join us in becoming a rhino wrangler. But if that rhino gets away from you, well, you can always run for their seat. So I would encourage you to think about it, pray about it, talk to your friends and family about it, and if we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Continue to call your state senators, your state representatives, write letters, do op-eds to the newspaper. The more action people engage, the more things will happen at the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs>
That was by Ty Tavares with, uh, uh, let's see, NLX uh, uh, Networks. So great, great stuff. Last word to you, Todd. Well, that's it. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7. And uh, thank you for watching the Georgia 2024 show. Please tell your friends. We're on podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast. Get the notification button so you get notified. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can listen to all. You don't have to. If you miss the show, you can listen in the car, on the way to the airport, whatever. So take us out, Bill. Thank you. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m.